The only problem for us is we don't actually have the questions uh, that Paul was asked. So we have questions from the answers, right? <clears throat> Um, but he's answering questions. He's going to he's going to answer several questions down First Corinthians chapter seven, seven and throughout the rest of this book. He's going to uh, he's going to look back to their letter and he's going to give them answers. Now in First Corinthians uh, chapter seven, he's going to answer questions basically uh, on marriage, singleness, um, and in that area, right? So we're going to deal with the area that we don't like to deal with as far, you know, because we, you know, as far as the church is concerned, we want, we want to put all that to one side and we don't want to talk about it and, and think about it and, and all the rest. It doesn't belong in church. The only problem for us is the whole world is talking about it. And the whole world is talking about it from a totally different perspective than God's perspective on it. And so we need to talk about it, Right? We need to take the scripture, and we need to look at the scripture, obviously sensitively, but we need to talk about it. But, but let me say this to you. In your homes, there needs to be talking about the area of sexuality. Because the world is awash in it, and there's so much uh, that's being promoted in the world that's totally wrong, that if you're not talking about it from a biblical, godly perspective, what you're going to find is you're going to find that your children are swept away with the world's ideas in this area. So... <clears throat> we've got to talk. I've got to talk to you from, better from the pulpit, right? But parents, you can't shy away from this one. Do you realize that your children get taught? That your children, by the time they reach the teen years, really have a pretty fair idea of what they consider to be the truth regarding this whole area of life. Sometimes it's totally skewed completely. Not just philosophically, but it's wrong. I remember some of the ideas that we worked out in our Catholic boys' school about how everything worked. And I mean, they were totally ridiculous, but we thought they were all, they, that was the way everything happened and so on. Your children are definitely going to have an understanding on this. You need to be talking about it. You know, it, it can't be that this area is taboo from a Christian, godly perspective, but not taboo from any other perspective. We have to be able to talk about it. So you and your homes have to talk, have, have to talk about it. You have to actually broach the subject with your girls, with your boys, and um, talk about it frankly, and they need to be able to ask questions, and they need to understand this is an area that we need to hit and, and a topic that we need to hit. Look with me first. Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians, because that's where we're going to spend our, our time today, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But why don't you look at Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 4. And the writer of Hebrews is very specific in this uh, whole thing. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. He says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now, a couple of thoughts I want you to t take from that, from that verse. First of all, he says the marriage relationship is honorable. The marriage relationship is undefiled. There's nothing unholy about the marriage relationship. Absolutely nothing. Within the bounds of marriage, it's a holy thing. It's a good thing. It's a blessed thing. It's a gift given from God. Outside of that, what he says is, uh, it's, he calls it whoremongers and adulterers, and he says it's worthy of God's judgment. So what the writer of Hebrews does is he puts it on two sides of a black line. Within marriage, he makes the, the physical relationship a good, blessed thing. Outside of marriage, it's wicked. It's a very definite line. 
Right? It's, it's, you know, the, the, the line is drawn very definitely in this area. Outside, it's completely wrong. It's never right. There's no justifying it. There's no um, talking about ways to make it right. It's not right outside of it. Inside of it, it's something blessed. Now, that's, that's basically the, the biblical philosophy. And there's a whole lot more that we could say, and there's a whole lot more verses that we could deal with that are um, very explicit that we're not going to deal with in a, in a setting like this. But we could deal with issues and, and show, listen, from God's perspective, this is a holy thing. This is not something that's you know, wrong or bad or off. It's something that's holy. Right? Outside of marriage, it's wicked and sinful. And what happens is that the world's attitude to it is all on the wicked and sinful side. And we end up <clears throat> with Christianity taking that on board some side. And we need, to, in some ways, and we need to reject that. All right, now back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. <clears throat> Let's pray before we start. Father, would you bless tonight now as we look to your word? And would you help us, Lord, to see and to understand and to know, Lord, the blessings uh, that you have for us and what is right and what is proper and what is true. Lord, help us to face these things in our home and help us to deal with them. And Lord, may it be that your hand and your blessing uh, rests upon us, even as we speak tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, now, um, <clears throat> chapter 7, verse 1. Now, concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, the word touch there really has in the idea of the marriage relationship, um, <clears throat> but not within the marriage relationship, right? Uh, and, and he says it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Right? So what he's doing is he's espousing purity. Now, remember last week we looked at the, the, the whole issue of purity as far as fornication was concerned, and he hammered the issue in, in the last chapter. Now he's going to uh, broaden it out and deal with it within, you know, in the context of the marriage relationship and outside of the marriage relationship. He's going to deal with it uh, very clearly now. Uh, but he's saying this, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, something we need to understand that um, the physical relationship is a very powerful relationship. It's a very powerful relationship. It's intended to be. It's intended to be a bonding relationship. It's, a, it's intended to be a relationship where two people bond together and, um, you know, they, they, they are together for life. That's what the relationship is intended to do. Now, when you play with it outside marriage, you do yourself great damage. Right? Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We looked at this last week. Um, <clears throat> at verse 18, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And <clears throat> in the Corinthian context, these people were, listen, this was just life in Corinth. You know, uh, live, relationships outside of marriage, the, you know, prostitute relationships, those were just part of life in Corinth. And what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, flee it. And then he gives you this insight. He says, every sin, every other sin, and he makes it different to every other sin. He says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but when you sin in this way, you sin against your own body. And what happens is you do yourself a damage. Now, I realize in this age, when you talk to an audience like this, listen, it would be impossible to talk to an audience this uh, broad and, and to have nobody here who gets caught with that. You've done yourself damage. 
you know, you've hurt yourself in this area. And some of you actually realize the hurt that you've done to yourself in this area. But we've got to recognize that as soon. Now, listen, no damage is uh, unredeemable in the sense that, listen, there's grace available to enable you to get beyond it. That God's power and God's hand is there to enable you to get beyond it. But you've got to recognize that what happened in the past was sin. And that because it was sin, it has done you damage. And you've got to bring it to the Lord. You've got to get it dealt with. Because the marriage relationship is a powerful relationship. And when it's entered into outside of marriage, it does damage. It's intended to be for a committed relationship for life within marriage. A relationship whereby what you're doing is you're committing yourself to somebody for life. And, and um, uh, it's open. It's legal. It's clear. There's, there's nothing held back on it. It's intended for inside of that marriage. And apart from that, you actually do yourself damage. And I understand that what happens in those relationships, a bond is formed because uh, <clears throat> the relationship actually forms a bond. But it's a damaging bond because... It's not within the marriage relationship. Now, <clears throat> the world will scorn that out there. The world will tell you that's ridiculous. The world will laugh at that. But listen, it's true. I mean, they did a study in uh, one of the universities in, in uh, Los Angeles, secular university, nothing to do with Christianity, and they found that there's actually a chemical, oxytocin, that is what they called a bonding chemical that gets released in your body, right? <clears throat> and that it's released particularly in this area. And so what happens is a bond is formed between two people. Now, you may have formed that bond with, with people outside of marriage, and you may be caught in it. In other words, what happens is you look back on it and you think, you know, that was something special, that was something wonderful. But the reality is that what you did was you released a chemical, shall we say illegally, that it's actually a drug, that what you did was you released a drug into your body uh, and the drug is making you see things differently than they are. And at some point, you need to come to the place where you look back on that and you say, that was wrong. If you're going to be pure and enter into a, a marriage in a pure, or be pure even apart from being married, you're going to have to recognize in your own heart, listen, that was wrong. Why is it wrong? Because God said it was wrong. It doesn't matter how you bonded or how you felt about it. Listen, it was wrong. And we've got to recognize that and understand that. This is a powerful area. By the way, <clears throat> those of us that are raising young people, we need to understand that uh, <clears throat> this is a powerful drug. You know, <clears throat> this, is, this is powerful. Our children are drawn to it. And, you know, this is not like, you know, going down the street and putting a needle in your arm. This is something all their peers are doing. This is something everybody around them is doing. This is something every time they press the button and turn on the TV, they're doing. Every time they switch on a computer, they can see this. This is something that's just life in our day and age. You see, the revolution in the, uh, in, in the 60s brought in a whole era of where the marriage relationship was for recreation in or out of marriage. It was just for fun. And what happened is we have a society that's been primed and uh, that's living off that, and it's done huge damage. But understand this, that if you don't protect your children from it, they will get hurt in this area. They will end up uh, sparking themselves, sparking each other, and being hurt in this area. You've got to protect them. You've got to watch over them. You've got to look after them. Parents, you've got to talk to them about it. Children, you've got to talk to your parents about it. Listen, it may be embarrassing to talk to, right? Uh, to talk about. It may be a difficult subject to, <clears throat> uh, to, to actually approach. 
you've got to overcome that and talk to your young people. Let me make a suggestion, more than a suggestion. Let me encourage every one of you that's a mother with, uh, you know, teen or preteen child, somebody who's just coming into those years when all of this is becoming real. There's a, something I'm focused on the family this week, Dana Gretsch, the last, I think it's Thursday and Friday of this week. Right? And she's dealing with this area. She's dealing with it as far as women are concerned. Listen, sit with your daughter's mom and listen to it. Single women, listen, listen to it. Listen to what's going on there. There's a bounty of information there that will help you and will help you to look at this area from the right perspective. And you know what, moms? It may actually get you over the issue of how difficult it is to talk about it because you've got somebody else talking about it. Um, but listen to it. He, you've got to protect your young people from what's going on in the world. Or what we're going to find in the church is we're going we're, we're to have catastrophes. We're going to have tragedies. And, you know, and we're going to be dealing with tragedies as a church because... Somebody left the barn door open. Don't do it. You've got to talk to your kids about it. You've got to overcome the scruples. You've got to overcome the, um, <clears throat> uh, the, the difficulty. And you've got to actually talk about it, right? Uh, this is a huge area in life. It's hugely important. The world is totally skewed on this area. I'm going to show you in a, few, a couple of seconds the main area of the world is totally skewed in this area. But it is powerful. It will do great damage. And what you've got to do is... You've got to take care of this issue in your homes. You've got to deal with this. And by the way, <clears throat> I'm, t- I'm talking about dealing with it with daughters. You know what? <clears throat> you need to deal with it with your sons too. Isn't, isn't the thought, you know, well, listen, girls get hurt in this area, but guys, they get to walk away scot-free. That's not true. Listen, in <clears throat> verse 18 uh, <clears throat> of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it doesn't say for girls to flee. It says for everybody to flee. It doesn't say girls get hurt in this. It says everybody gets hurt in this. Now, the truth is that girls may carry more of the baggage than the guys do, but everybody gets hurt in this. And you've got to, you, you've got to talk to your boys about it. You've got, to, you, you've got to deal with them. And I'm not sure whether mom and dad should talk to the boys. Sometimes it's easier for mom to talk to the boys and, and, and to make them understand some of these things. But don't, don't, don't subscribe to the idea of what boys are going to do, what boys are going to do. That's a wicked worldly uh, <clears throat> perspective. Listen, they need to be protected from this too. Right? And uh, with all that's open to them, if you've got an uncensored computer in your home, uh, listen, wh- what you've got is you- you've got an open fire in the middle of your home and you've got toddlers stumbling around. I was down in Ori's home the other day and um, <clears throat> I walked out of the room. They have, they have a, a stove uh, in their living room. And um, little Sean, he's just gotten to the place where Heather says that he's, he's joined the demolition crew, right? So you mothers of young children will understand that very clearly, right? Um, but uh, we're, we're there, and Val is in another room, and I'm kind of in there in the living room keeping an eye on them, and I'm talking to Val in the other room, and I just step beyond view for a moment. And I had blocked off this stove, so I thought Sean couldn't get near it because it was on. And when I looked back into the room, Sean was there right in front of the hot stove, ready to put his hand on it. He'd gotten under this real low coffee table, crawled in under it, and he was right there ready to put his hand on it. Now, listen, <clears throat> I, I'm telling you about it. I think he had a heart attack right on the spot. Uh, I, I terrified the poor child, <coughs> child lifting, lifting him out of it. But do you know what? Listen, if you've got computer or even TV in your home that's unguarded, listen, what you're doing is you're leaving something much worse than a fire. Listen, Sean would have put his hand on the fire and he would have hurt his hand and maybe hurt his hand badly, but you know what? He'd only have done it once. 
that wouldn't be something he'd be drawing. You know, he wouldn't be thinking of how will I get near the fire the next time because that was really fun. When your kids can switch on a computer and see things that are exciting in ways they don't even understand, what's happening is something so destructive is happening. You've got to be careful. You've, you've got to watch over your children uh, as far as this is concerned, right? <clears throat> All right, so <clears throat> back to First Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. All right, so Paul is promoting marriage here, and he's saying, listen, for the sake of purity, there ought to be marriage. Then in verse 3, he says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the physical relationship is part of marriage and is intended to be and is meant to be maintained as part of marriage. It's not an optional in marriage. It's not something that you can kind of just say, well, listen, we've decided not to do that anymore. It's part of marriage. Let me give you a couple of reasons, right? First of all, we're talking about the bonding. The bonding of marriage, uh, that's part and parcel of it. But secondly, for the sake of purity, this part of the marriage is to be kept alive. Right? <clears throat> That's good and right and proper. And uh, we need to be careful that we, we do that. See the word um, <clears throat> when it says, excess due benevolence, the wife hath not power. That's authority. The word exousia, the word authority. And the husband has not authority. This is not, you know, a one-sided thing. This is a mutual thing. Right? <clears throat> and here's the deal. And oftentimes... We don't see this so clearly. Marriage is a relationship that two people enter into with the objective of giving of themselves in every area, including this area. When somebody enters into marriage, it's not about getting. The world's perspective on the physical relationship is it's about me. It's about getting. It's about what I want. It's about me feeling good. It's about what I want. Now, I'm going to give in order to get, but I want to get. Right? God's perspective on it is, no, this is about you giving. This is about you giving something to somebody else, that the marriage commitment is a commitment to give to somebody else for the rest of your life. It's a completely different thing than the world's philosophy. Now, parents, you've got to communicate that to your kids. Because what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're picking up in school, what they're picking up from friends, what they're uh, picking up on computers, what they're in every area that the world is speaking to this area, it's giving them a whole different impression. Because the philosophy of the world, this is for fun. That's the philosophy of the world. This is for fun. This is for your fun. So you need to enjoy this, and then they come into marriage expecting it to be for your fun. Understand this. God's not against fun. He's for fun. In fact, God's for the best fun of all. Right? <clears throat> but fun with God is always a byproduct, not a prime product. Fun comes when I'm doing what God wants me to do. Blessing comes from that. Blessing comes from sacrifice. Blessing comes from me giving myself. You see, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's right across the board as far as light is concerned. That's a totally different perspective than the world's perspective. That's you giving. By the way, <clears throat> if you're really going to give to somebody, 
then you're not going to be involved in this area before marriage, before the ring. You're just not. That's not giving. That's taking. Because you can't offer the security. You can't offer all that's needed in that bond there. You're, you're, you're not going to do that. And if you have, what you're going to do is you're going to look back on that and call that sin. What you're going to do is you're going to say, well, listen, from here on out, I'm going to do it God's way. And you're going to become pure from this point on. But understand this, that there's two totally different philosophies uh, in regard to the physical relationship. One is the world, and it's about get. And one is God's, and it's about give. That I'm going to give, that I'm going to give in this area, that I'm going to make it my business to give in this area. And it's a whole different thing uh, than the world, right? So um, look at verse 7. Sorry, let's look at verse 6 for a moment, because Paul's going to hit this one several times. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. Now, what's Paul saying there? You know, Paul is saying this. He's saying, listen, I, I can't give you a scripture verse to back this up. I can't show you where God said this, right? What he's doing is he's giving scripturally based counsel. And on top of that, Paul doesn't understand that what he's actually writing is scripture. You know, Paul wasn't thinking, you know, I'm going to write, you know, the, um, uh, a book of the New Testament called first Corinthians. What Paul was doing was Paul was writing a letter to a people from Corinth, a church in Corinth, that had asked him some questions. God was going to inspire it, and God was going to say, that's part of the Bible. So though Paul is going to say several times, you know, I speak uh, this by permission and not of commandment, that doesn't make it less inspired than Scripture. This is, this is what God has to say to you. All right, so kind of let's, let's knock that one out of our heads before we begin to look at this. Um, you know, that, that, that Paul is speaking Scripture, that he's actually telling us uh, what God would have us to know. Verse 7, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this man and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. <clears throat> now, let, 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 he, he's beginning to hit another topic here. Because what the Corinthians were asking him, or part of the question at least was, listen, listen, if, if, if there's so much problem with, with impurity and with immorality, maybe it's better off to abstain. We're, we're better off to abstain altogether. We're better off not to involve, get involved and get married at all. Maybe we're better off just to leave it alone altogether. And Paul's going to come out, and he's going to <clears throat> tell them how to go about it, and he's going to tell them what purity and what right is. And then he's, he's telling them here, you see, see <clears throat> at this point in his life, Paul's not married, Right? Now, there's every indication that he was at one time married. There are several reasons why it looks like he was at one time married, but his wife is dead, obviously. He's no longer married. And what he's saying is, <laughs> he's saying, it is better for them to remain just as I. Now, <clears throat> this is kind of scary, but 11 times, 11 of the verses in the 40 verses here that we're dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 11 of those verses, he's going to actually promote singleness. Right? Now, he's going to promote singleness, and he's going to say, listen, it's better to be single. Eleven of the verses. Now, uh, that doesn't mean if you're, not mar- if you're married, you've got a raw deal. Uh, that's not what he's saying, because he's going to promote marriage as well. What he's going to say is, he's going to say, is, singleness is a gift. Now, you know, if we look at a church this size, what we've got is, we've probably got Roughly, and I'm, I'm, I'm making a quick guesstimate here, roughly half of you are married, maybe not quite half of you, half are married and half are single. 
And very often, the single people are kind of thinking, well, uh, eventually when I get married, then that'll be, you know, life happening in a sense. Not according to Paul. What Paul is saying is that, you know, being single is a good thing. Now, he's talking in a particular time. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about present distress. But what he's saying is better for them to remain as I, and he's going to give lots of reasons for it. We'll look at some of the reasons uh, as we go along. Here's the thought I want to give you, though. You know, listen, if you're single today, it's a good thing. It's a blessed thing. If you're single today, it frees you to serve the Lord in ways that married people can't. That's what the Bible says. It gives you opportunity to serve God. Singlehood is not less. Singlehood is different to married life. We all have in our minds, you know, listen, the only place to be is to be married. Paul is debunking that. He's going after the issue and he's saying, no, listen. Being single has blessings that leave you free to serve the Lord in ways that you can't when you're married. So what he's saying is there are pros and cons to everything. And when it comes to being single, there are lots of pros and lots of cons. And he said, uh, for those who are called to it, listen, it's a good thing. Now, guess what? If you're single today, right now you're called to it. Now, listen, you may not always be called to it. There may come a point when God produces a spouse for you. There may come a point when you get married. But you're called to it. So you're not a person in waiting to serve. You're a person who perhaps has the best opportunity of your life to serve right now. And you need to serve God with all your heart. You need to to give yourself completely to God and serve God with all your heart. That's what Paul's saying to you here. He's saying, listen, better for you to stay as I am. Better for you to stay in the place where I am and do things and serve God fully and with a full heart. So here's the thought I want you to do. What I want you to do, I want you to take out of your thought the idea, out of your your mind the idea that, you know, when I get married, then I'll be really able to serve the Lord. No, no, no. When you're single, then you're really able to serve the Lord in ways that you won't be able to when you're married. And so you need to look at that opportunity, seize that opportunity, and have it for all your worth. Serve God with all your heart for all your worth. Being single allows you to focus upon God and upon serving Him uh, in a way that you can't when you're married. Right? Being single, Paul is saying, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So if we would change our thinking on that, married and, and, and single alike, that, listen, that, that would help us. It's not necessarily a bad thing. <clears throat> Verse 9, But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married command, I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. Right <clears throat> Now, he's put that thought in there again, but let's, let's, let's just put it out in the sense, now listen, uh, yes, he's not, God's not commanding directly, but listen, we've got it in Scripture. This is a command for us, right? Uh, he says, let, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, if in, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Right? Now, he, what's he saying? Listen, some need to remain unmarried, but if you're married, don't walk out of it. They're asking him a question. They're saying, listen, some of us are married to unsafe people. Should we, should we leave them? Uh, they're asking us, the marriage is not good. Would it be better for us to be celibate and to withdraw from the marriage? And Paul is saying, no. Stay in 
the marriage. You're going to say it several times. You know, he's going to just pound away. No, stay in the marriage. You're not to walk away from the marriage. Um, Verse 12, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. They were asking, listen, if we're married to somebody who's unsafe, should we put them away? He's saying, no, don't put them away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. And what happens is in a home where you've got one partner who's, um, <coughs> who's saved and the other partner who's not, there's, there's a sanctifying influence that comes in the home. Now, it doesn't mean everybody gets saved because one person is saved. Everybody's got their choice as far as salvation is concerned. But there is definitely, in God's eyes, uh, a sanctifying, a, a specialness about it. And understand that God is working in a special way in that home. Right? But he says, look, don't leave. Now, are those situations difficult? Sometimes they're very difficult. Sometimes they're very awkward. But Paul says, don't leave. Stay in the situation uh, regardless. Right? <clears throat> um, verse 15, but if the unbelieving depart, uh, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. Now, <clears throat> Some people have made verse 15 a case for divorce and remarriage. Now, I'll tell you what, I've looked at it for a long time. I can't see that in it, right? Now, when it says it's not under bondage in such cases, uh, the the Greek word there is doulos, uh, is not a slave, right? It's not bound to serve. Now, listen, inside a marriage, husband and wife are bound to serve each other. You know that that's the way it is. There's that... that, that serves. But you know what? If the husband or the wife walks out, then you can no longer serve them. But nowhere does that make you free to remarry. Right? You know, all the cases that people make for remarrying, for remarrying are, are, are very flimsy. Nowhere can you, can you actually take from that verse and say, well, that says free to remarry. Everything else in the chapter is saying don't. But they're looking at the word bondage and saying, well, that says it's... It, it's okay to. It's not okay to. Uh, it is never okay to. For what knowest thou, knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. Uh, is any man called being, circum- being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called... In uncircumcision, let him not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God, that every man abide in his same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called uh, in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be ye not the servants uh, of men. Brethren, let every man... For in he is called, therein abide with God. Right? Now, what's he saying there? He's saying, listen, <coughs> stay in the place that you were when you got saved. Just stay in that place that you were in when you got saved. If you were called, um, if you were a Jew and you were circumcised, listen, that's okay. Stay in that. Uh, if you, um, <coughs> and, and if you weren't, then you don't need to change and become that. If you're married, stay married. And he's saying, stay in the place that you were in when you were saved. You don't need to change everything because they're looking at things. They're saved now. Their lives are different. They're looking at everything from a different perspective and they're wondering, listen, what do we need to change? 
And Paul is saying, don't. Just stay as you are. What's happened is you become a Christian, you become God's child, you're a new creature, but you don't have to change all the external things in your life. And what he's saying to them is, listen, you don't have to take everything and change it. Just work in the situation where you're in. And here's a principle for us. Listen, the idea that we're supposed to bloom where we're planted. Some of you got saved in very difficult circumstances. You know, some of you got saved in situations where it, it was difficult when you got saved and it's remained difficult. And God says, bloom where you're planted. Don't, don't you want to take and change everything about, you know, and turn it so, so that you can really serve God and be free to serve God in the way you want to be? No, 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 God says, bloom where you're planted. Bloom in the difficult circumstances. You know, <clears throat> serve God right where you are in, what, in the condition you're in right now. Serve him like that. And... <clears throat> Isn't it true of us that we always think there's going to come a better day for me to serve God? There's going to come a day when I'll be more able to serve God. But do you know that if you're not serving God to the full right now where you are, in all likelihood, you won't serve him more when your circumstances change. God puts you in a certain place and he says, now listen, trust me and serve me right where you are. Don't change anything. You don't need to just serve me right as you are. You know what? When God wants to change your circumstances, he can do it, and he doesn't need your help. When God wants to change the way things are in your life, he can step in and he can change them. Oftentimes, we're too impatient to wait for God, and we want to make things happen, and we make things happen to our regret very often. Listen, when God puts you in a certain place, listen, trust him to take and to change it when the time comes, right? All right. Verse 28. Sorry. Verse 25. Now concerning virgins, concerning the unmarried, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. And what he's talking about there is the persecution that they're dealing with. Remember, these Christians were going counterculture. They were going completely against the culture. And obviously with the questions that they're asking Paul here, although there are lots of problems in the Corinthian church, they really are going cross-culture. They're not doing the things they used to do, and they're not living the way they used to live. Corinth is, is you know, just a mass of confusion as far as morality is concerned. It's just it's, it's a wicked place. And these Christians are different now. Now, can you imagine um, being in a marriage uh, where somebody was involved in gross immorality and you used to be involved in that gross immorality and all of a sudden it all changes for you? That's not a happy day in the home. Can you imagine you're part of a group where immorality is is the way of going on and you're saying, no, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm a Christian now. You see, things are changing for these people greatly. And um, Paul is trying to help them to, to deal with these things. Um, what he's, and, and, and they're facing persecution. They're facing the fact that they're going to get uh, harshly treated. And he says, listen, in these times, it will be better off for you to be single. It will be better off for you not to be married. And why? Because it doesn't be one thing for you to take a man and, uh, and to try and make him renounce Christ. And tell him you were going to kill him. 
Right? That that that'd be a hard day. Obviously, that that's not that's not a day anybody would anticipate or uh, with expectancy. That would be a hard day. It's another thing entirely when you're married with a family, and they're not only threatening you, but they're threatening your family. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a much more difficult thing for you to stand firm in those days. And Paul is saying, listen, it'd be better off for you to be single at this point. Better off for you to be on your own and just have to answer for yourself. Right. <clears throat> so verse twenty-seven. Uh, art thou bound unto a wife, seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife, seek not a wife. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they which have wives be as though they had none. And they that weep as though they wept not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy as though they possess not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Right? <clears throat> now, Paul is saying 2,000 years ago, the time is short. Do you think the time is shorter today? Obviously, it is. Obviously, the time is shorter today. And <clears throat> here's the heartbeat of Paul, and we really have to understand this to understand anything that he's saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul is saying the time is short. Serve God with all your heart. He's saying, listen, the darkness is coming upon us fast. Serve God with all your heart right now where you're at. Stop worrying about the external circumstances. Stop worrying about, you know, all the things you want to fix and all the things you want to get right in your life before you uh, can serve the Lord. And serve him now with all your heart. And you know what? That's the principle that takes the rest of it and puts it into perspective. If we're living our lives as though at any moment the trumpet may sound and the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for us, that changes things. Listen, if I could tell you 12 hours from now, the Lord is going to return. I know it. be a lie, right? Because I don't know it. Um, but if, I could, if, if we could say definitely 12 hours from now the Lord is going to return, wouldn't that change things for us? I don't think many of us would go to bed tonight. And if we did, I don't think we'd sleep. I think we'd, we, you know, we'd be dealing with sin in our lives. I think we'd be trying to reach people with the gospel. I think we live our lives as though every moment counted, and it would all count towards eternity. Listen, we might eagerly anticipate that trumpet sound that would take us to be with him. But as long as we had time, we'd spend it doing things. There are some people we'd go and plead with, wouldn't there? There are some phone calls we would make that we, you know, that would be important phone calls, pleading with people about the Lord. You know, there might be some people we go and make it right with. We've been putting it off. Everything would change in our lives, and our lives would become focused on the Lord and His return and what He wants for us. Paul lived his life like that, and he lived very effectively. And his counsel to us is that's the way he wants us to live. He wants to, us to live as though God and heaven are the most important things. And if you take that perspective on, you know, the rest of the issues he's talking to begin to make sense. You see, because when you take that perspective on, you don't count so much. What counts is heaven and what God wants. What counts is, well, how can I best serve him? And for everybody here, if you're single, the question is, how can I best serve him right now? 
If you're married, the question is, how can I best serve him right now? Whatever condition you're in, the question is, how can I best serve him right now? That's the issue. That's the important issue. That's the, that's the focus for us. So that when he's talking about this relationship and he's talking about marriage and he's talking about sexuality and he's talking about all these things, all of it has an overarching principle over it. Listen, God is coming back. You need to be serving him with all your heart and, uh, and taking that on board and that needs to be your life. And when we put that one in perspective in our lives, obeying the scripture is not a problem. I don't want Jesus to come back to me and say, hey, you, you know what I told you to do? This? Why didn't you do it? I don't want Jesus to come back and, to come back and say, you know the sin I told you so many times to get rid of in your life? Well, why didn't you deal with it? By the way, do you think he's going to converse with you? Do you think he's not going to needle the sore points? Listen, I'm dying to see him. I'm, I'll be glad to see him. Heaven's going to be a happy place. But you know what? Scripturally, there are going to be some questions to answer. And what he wants is he wants you to live right now like Jesus is coming back and serve with all your heart right now in the place where you are today because you don't know that you have any other day. If you're single, you listen, you may be looking to get married. <clears throat> Sinead and James are getting married in a little over a month's time and they are looking forward to it. They have a wedding booked and everything else. Everything else is booked. But you know what? We might all be in glory. Sorry, Sinead. We might, we might all be in glory before then. <clears throat> That's the reality of life. We might all be lifted out of this world and be in glory. You don't know that you're ever going to have another day. You don't know that things are ever going to change in your life. Serve God with all your heart and all your passion right now because this is the only day that you have. Let's leave it there. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word to us. We thank you for the blessing of being able to look to you. And Lord, would you help us tonight now as we look to you? And all oh, over, would you help us to look to the world from your perspective and not from a worldly perspective? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed and God is dealing with you. Let me ask you a couple of questions tonight. Let me, let me bring it home for you. First of all, are you pure? Are you really genuinely pure? Is your, your, your life and your heart pure before him? Or is the world's philosophy in this area getting a hold of you? Now, you may say, Pastor, what you're talking about is lovely, but it's ridiculous. And you know what? There's no help for you then. There really is no help because God can only help you when you face up to it, when you, when you deal with it. Confession is always the first step to knowing purity and to knowing blessing in your life. And you don't have to confess it to me. I'm not a father confessor. But, you know, you do need to deal with it. Are you pure? If you're not pure, you need to get pure. You say, how do I get pure? Well, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if you will confess it, that he will cleanse you and you will be pure. Now, you'll only be pure for as long as you stay pure. But listen, you can be pure tonight. You can leave this place pure. And if you let the Holy Spirit, he will enable you to stay pure. And it's a much better life. You see, <clears throat> the sin the world entices us to and the sin the world tells us is fine and okay and good is really hurting. What it's doing is it's tearing the heart out of us. 
what it's doing is it's putting between us and God and it's putting us in a place where life doesn't work. Are you pure tonight? If you're not, you can be. You can be pure tonight. Let, let me ask you another question. Are you chafing over your position where you're at tonight? Some are single. Maybe they're chafing over the fact that they're single and they want to be married. And some are married and maybe they're chafing over the fact that they're married and they want out of the relationship. Are you chafing over the position that you're in right now? Because God says to you, he says, now listen, embrace it. Bloom where you're planted. This is your life. This is my calling for you right now. Take it and be all that you're supposed to be in it and know my blessing in it. Are you chafing tonight one way or the other? And then thirdly, <clears throat> are you living life like you got forever? And you don't. The days are closing in. Paul says, listen, <clears throat> the end is close. It's closer now. We're supposed to live as though, listen, the time is nearly up and we're supposed to serve as though the time is nearly up. How are you living? Are you living before God as though the time is now? One last question. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do business with God. One last question. Though you're here tonight and you're not saved, you're not born again, you're on your way to hell, and the Spirit of God is dealing with you about your need to be saved. Oh, I would ask you, listen, don't let that condition continue. You need uh, to, to do business with God. You need to come to the place. If the Lord Jesus Christ were to come back tonight, where would you spend eternity? It really wouldn't do you any good to say, but I was going to. But I was planning to. Lord Jesus Christ came back tonight. Your eternity would be sealed if you're not saved. Oh, listen, let me plead with you. Listen, do business with him. Get it right, get it sorted. Now, Father, would you bless in this time of invitation, Lord? Would you deal with your children? Lord, would you help us to deal with sin? Would you help us to deal with the heart issues? Would you help us to do... See a work accomplished in our lives, Lord, that's going to change us for your glory and for your benefit. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Let's have everybody stand quietly to their feet. The piano's playing softly. And as God is dealing with you, would you step out of your seat and come do business with him? Let's stand quietly to our feet. God is dealing with you. Might be another issue other than the one I've mentioned, but listen, God is dealing with you. Step out of your seat and come and do business with him.